Lord, help me to keep my focus on you. We can get our eyes distracted on a lot of different things. We're going to be in Mark chapter 14, if you'll be finding that in your Bible today, the Gospel of Mark 14, as we're going verse by verse through this record, Mark's record of the Gospel. The last two weeks, we have looked at the disciples in the upper room. We have seen the traitor Judas identified, and we've spent some time with the disciples and the Lord observing the last Passover. That was last Sunday. And now he's going to lead these disciples, his closest followers, from really the city proper of Jerusalem, from the upper room, across the uh, Kidron Valley and what will then lay out before him, the uh, Mount of Olives, and eventually to the Garden of Gethsemane. So that's where we find ourselves. If you're able to stand, please stand with us as we read a few verses together and get into the Scripture. Mark chapter 14, we'll begin reading in verse 26. The Bible says, And when they had sung and hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. I'm not going to mention this in the sermon, but it's worth mentioning in reading that uh, singing is a part of our worship to God. And you may not think of Jesus as being a singer, but he led the disciples in singing a hymn, probably one of the Psalms, I'm sure, before, uh, before they went out. Verse 26 says, Into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, unto Jesus, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Verse 31. But he spake, Peter spake, the more vehemently, stronger, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise, also said they all. This is a very interesting passage of Scripture today. I've just been blessed and encouraged and challenged just studying, preparing for today. We don't really know. We can't fully know all that the disciples were aware of. There were a lot of things happening in their world, things that they weren't prepared for things they did not expect and after Jesus sings this hymn and they head toward the Mount of Olives he's going to make an announcement to them that I think is just going to add to their anxiety when he says all of you every last one of you before the day is done every one of you are going to be offended because of me and I think it's a wonderful thing to look at because I not only see the humanity and the weakness of the disciples, but I see our own 
weakness as well. Let's pray as we begin. Father, please bless as we study your word today. Open our eyes. Help us to be open. Help us to do our part to be attentive to your word. And Lord, may you do what we could never do. And that is speak to us through the word of God. Speak to those who are not saved in this place today. Speak to those who are saved, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as Jesus is making his way toward the Mount of Olives, he warned the men that were with him. You know, we ought to take the Lord's warning seriously. He warned them about present danger, and he says, every one of you are going to be offended in me tonight. The word offended, we ought to think about what that means When we think about somebody being offended, we think of someone getting their feelings hurt or something like that. But the word offend means to stumble, to be a stumbling block, to fall, uh, to trip up. And he said, every one of you are going to experience a fall because of me. What they would see, what they would witness, what they would observe and hear would cause them to fall. Not just to fall a little bit, to to defect, to scatter. And Jesus said in our text, and we'll look at this here in the passage, that this defection was really a fulfillment of of prophecy. The The Old Testament, the book of Zechariah wrote about this. And Jesus... Jesus words it this way, I will smite, verse 27, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. So Jesus said, you're going to witness what Zechariah wrote about. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now let's just think about the main players in that short verse. First of all, the, the sheep, we know who the sheep are, they're the disciples. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. We know who the shepherd is. The shepherd is the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd. I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But then I want to think about the pronoun I. Who does the I refer to? I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And if you read there in Zechariah chapter 13, you would see that the I is the Lord of hosts. The I, the speaker, I will smite the shepherd, is God. I will smite, I, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah. I will smite the shepherd, Messiah, and the sheep will be scattered. You know, who is it that really struck Jesus and the answer is it was the Lord himself it was God I was reading again this morning from Isaiah chapter 53 that great passage where it says this about this very same thing it pleased the Lord to bruise him it's talking about the Messiah he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him Isaiah 53 said And it says this of God, think about this. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. We look at this passage, we think about the injustice, what appears to be injustice that Jesus endured. We want to blame somebody, right? We want to blame the Romans, blame Judas, the traitor, blame the chief priests and the scribes, 
blame Pilate because he was a coward and wouldn't release Jesus, but instead re released Barabbas. But it wasn't the Romans and it wasn't Pilate. And this is really worth thinking about. It was God the Father that offered his only son as a sacrifice for our sin. That he might rescue us as we heard in song today. Now you think about this and we're going to move on, but if you, want to, if you want to see, if you want to look at how much God loves sinners, how much God Almighty, the Creator, loves sinners, and how committed He is to redeem lost sinners, you need to look for any further because this is, this is God the Father delivering His own Son up. I will smite the shepherd. I will smite the Messiah. And the sheep will be scattered. Jesus went on to say after this, in verse um, 31, and this was emphasized in the song service today, but he spake the more vehemently, talking about um, Peter. And then it, goes, then, then it says that Jesus, I'm looking for the passage right now. Oh, verse 28, I'm sorry, I'm too far down. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. He would smite the shepherd, but that would not be the end. He said, after I'm risen from the dead, I'll go before. And he did go before them into Galilee. I think it's interesting that when Jesus, I, I'll tell you, I, I, you learn so much just looking at Jesus. But I think it's so interesting that Jesus, about to face the cross, was not just thinking about the cross. He was thinking beyond the cross. Uh, think about what Hebrews says uh, seeing that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He says, when I rise from the dead, I'm going to go before you. And thank God he did raise from the dead as we sang today. Jesus would die, but it would not be the end. Matter of fact, Jesus' death was the beginning of a new life. And if you're here today, if you're sitting here today and you or listening to the gospel and you know the gospel, you've heard the gospel, but you never personally received Christ, I'm telling you today, the greatest need everybody has is to personally receive Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in Him. He did die. He did die for our sins. He, he became sin for us, but He raised again on the third day. And if you're not saved, you need salvation. You need a re relationship with Jesus Christ. May God help you to see that. So, so God the Father smites the shepherd, and the Bible says the sheep would be scattered. So how did the disciples respond to this? Look in verse 29. The focus really is on Peter, but it's not just on Peter. But in verse 29, Peter said unto him, Peter said to the Lord, although all shall be offended, although all, Jesus said all of you will be offended. And Peter said, though all, all being now only 11 of them total, Peter and 10 others, because Judas has already left to go and do his evil deed. Though all the rest of these be offended, Peter says in verse 29, yet will not I. Everyone else, think about this, everyone else may cave. Everyone else may fall away. Everyone else may defect. Everyone else may let you down, but I will never let you down. Jesus answered that in verse 30 first with the word verily. If you're familiar you know, with looking at passages in the New Testament words, the word verily is, is not just a word that's stuck in there to keep the conversation going. It's a very emphatic word. Verily means truly, definitely, absolutely. He says to Peter, truly, 
I say unto you that this day, not someday, but this day, even in this night before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. This very night, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. Now you would think that Peter would say, Lord, I don't see the possibility. I'm struggling to see it. But if you say it, I believe it. If you're telling me this is going to happen, I know it's going to happen. Please work in me. Help me not for this not to happen. But what did he do? Look at, look at how he responded in verse 31. He spake, Peter spake the more vehemently. That word vehement means to be forcefully. He, he forcefully pushed back. When Jesus said, you're going you're to fall, all of you are going to fall, Peter forcefully, verbally pushed back and said, it's not going to happen. He was passionate. He was being over, over the top, Peter was, overbearing as he responds to Jesus. And he says basically, I will not deny thee in any wise. Look at it in verse 31. I will not deny thee in any wise, no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how difficult it is, I will not deny thee. I think this is such an important moment. Um, Matthew writes about it. Luke writes about it. Of course, we're reading here in Mark. I want to read a few details from Luke's gospel that add to the narrative. Just listen carefully as I read this. It says this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Luke gives us a bit more information when he says that Jesus said to Peter, the devil is going to come after you. The devil is going to put a hard, hard test, trial, temptation own you. He's going to sift you. He wants to sift you as wheat. You know, in a non-agricultural world, we don't know too much about sifting and about the separation of grain from the chaff. But that's what he's describing there. A sieve is a, it's like a, an instrument that you would put the grain and, the, and, it would, and that would include the, the, the stalks or the straw or the parts that aren't really edible and you'd shake it. And the purpose of shaking it is to separate the grain from the chaff. And that's what he said, Satan's going to, Peter, Satan's going to shake you. Shaking is not pleasant. But he's going to shake you. And, and he's trying to help Peter understand what's about to happen. And we're not in Luke, but I can tell you how Peter responded. According to Luke, Peter responded the same way Mark recorded that he responded. He said, Lord, I'm ready to go to thee, with thee to prison and even to death. This, you're, you're talking about Simon Peter. You're talking about the, the vocal leader of the apostles. He said, I'll never be offended. There's no way. Peter said, in any circumstance, I would deny you. Everybody else may forsake you, but I'll never do it. 
after this exchange, we're still in Mark chapter 14. After this exchange, in verse 31, when Peter said, I will not deny thee in any wise, there's a very important statement at the end of that verse 31. Likewise also said they all. So after Peter makes his bold pronouncement, this will never happen. Everybody else, the rest of the ten, said, we're on board too. We're, we're, they confessed, all of them. It doesn't say if they did it united or if they did it individually, but they all confessed their unwavering loyalty to Jesus. Now think about this today. Somehow all of them believed they were stronger than Jesus knew they were. All of them. I don't know. We don't know. Perhaps they were sort of motivated by Peter's bold confession. I was thinking this morning, maybe it was like their way to try to comfort the Lord. We're not going to leave you. We'll be with you. Whatever happens, you can count on us. Whatever the case might be, they were all wrong. Every one of them was wrong. Now, what makes this matter so serious? There are several things. Number one, they were deceived about their own spiritual strength. They thought, we can handle this. By the way, that's not a very good position to be in, really, if you're counting on yourself. But there's something else. Not only were they confident in their own strength, but they were resisting or denying or opposing what Jesus told them. They were dismissing the words that Jesus said to them. Jesus said, all of you, you'd think if Jesus said to a small group of people, 11 people, all of you are going to be offended, every last one of them would say, if you say it, we believe it, we don't, we don't understand it, but we agree with it. But every one of them basically declared that Jesus was wrong, not us. We're not going to do that. So they're guilty, these disciples... I mean, on this, think about how, how important a moment this is. And they're wrong on a number of levels. They're guilty of thinking they're incapable of falling. And by the way, if you stand, sit here today and you think you're incapable of falling, you're guilty as well. They were guilty of disbelieving what Jesus said. They dismissed what he said. They were, and soon they're going to be guilty of forsaking Jesus when he really needed their support. Now the question I'm asking is why? How did this happen? How can this happen? These are the most prepared men on the planet. They spent three and a half years with Jesus. Getting to know him and getting to know themselves. Being familiar with temptation. Three and a half years. Now I'm going to make a, an assumption. I'm going to I'm going to say what I believe the root of the problem was. And I think that's the sin of pride. I'm not saying it's the only thing. There's fear. I think there's going to be fear present because when they started seeing what Jesus went through and thought this could be up, we could be next, I think that was a factor. But for them to think it could never happen to them, how else do you explain it other than pride? It's, it was prideful for Peter to say he was incapable of falling. 
It was prideful for Peter to say that he was stronger than the others. They may all fall, but not me. I'm made out of different stuff. It was prideful, and this is not the first time Peter did this. It was prideful for Peter to look in the eyes of Jesus and said, You're wrong. I'm sure you've been right on a lot of occasions, but you're wrong today because it won't happen to me. That's very prideful. You know, Proverbs 29 says, A man's pride shall bring him low. You know what pride does? Pride tries to elevate us. Pride tries to make us think we're something we're not, and the very thing that we think will elevate us will bring us down. Proverbs 16 says, Pride goeth before destruction. Here's a case in point. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So what happened? We know what happened. What Jesus said would happen, happened. They were all offended. Every one of them, every apostle, defected, ran, scattered. That's the language that Zechariah wrote about hundreds of years prior to this. The shepherd will be smitten and the sheep will be scattered. The, now keep in mind, these were true believers. These, these, were not, these were not half-hearted believers. These were true believers. These were faithful servants. God called apostles. But you know what this reveals to us if we'll let it? The weakness the true weakness of even the closest followers of Jesus. Sometimes people look at what they consider to be dedicated Christians, sincere Christians, mature Christians, and they say, man, I, I wish I could be like them. They'll never fall. Every one of us are capable of falling. Every one of us. We don't know how much of it was because of their fear, but they all, I'm sure, were dejected, were disillusioned. They, you know, they, a lot of things have happened since they rode triumphantly into Jerusalem to the cheers of the crowd. And now everyone's turning against them. They all fell. When I read this, it's sad. When I say it, it's sad. They all fell. They'd be brought back together. Thank God for that. But on the day of his death, they scattered. Their leader, their shepherd, their Lord was tortured, was betrayed. Virtually everyone in the city was against him. They didn't think this was possible, but they were all offended because of him. And, you know, even after they were back together... They came back to the upper room, but even that upper room, they were afraid. They were, whatever happened to him could happen to them. Now that's sad news, isn't it? But the good news is this is not the final chapter. They all fell, but they didn't stay down. I want to remind you of what I read of in Luke's gospel when Jesus said to Peter, that you're going to deny me. Then he said this, I have prayed for thee 
that thy faith fail not. That's an amazing thought to me. When Peter said, when Jesus said to Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. This hadn't happened yet. It's going to happen. It's in the future. But Jesus said, I've already prayed for you. Before you even fall, I've prayed for you. That your faith fail not. I don't think Peter recovered because of Peter. I think he recovered because of Jesus. Jesus prayed for him. And all these, were just, all these men, these men that dis- disappointed themselves, I'm sure they disappointed others. They didn't surprise Jesus. He knew it was going to happen. But all of them are going to be restored. All of, all of them are going to be restored to fellowship with each other. Don't, don't miss this today. They're all going to be restored to fellowship with the Lord. And they're all going to be restored to the Lord's service. There are lessons in this for us. I mean, Peter, Peter's failure is the one that we mo- know the most about. And also his restoration we know the most about. We're not going to turn, about, turn to it, but in John's gospel, after Jesus went to the cross, after Jesus raised from the dead, Jesus did meet them in Galilee, and he had a private meeting with Peter. I was thinking this morning of what that must have been like for Peter. Jesus warned you, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says it'll never happen. When Jesus said it's going to happen, he pressed forward and said, you don't know me, it'll never, ever happen. And then he faces Jesus after the crucifixion, after the resurrection in Galilee. I thought about how hard it'd be to look at him. Jesus asked him a very simple question. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than thee? Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Then he said, feed my sheep. He asked him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than thee? And again, he said, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then he asked him a third time, Simon, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then he said, feed my sheep. You know, I think sometimes if we'd had a Simon Peter that we're dealing with, we'd said, you know, three strikes, you're out. But Jesus didn't do that. He says, when you, this again, Luke recorded in his gospel, in this conversation that Jesus had with Peter, he said, I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And then he said this, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Converted doesn't mean saved. It means just get turned around, back in the right track, go in the right direction. When you get turned back in a different direction, then help other people. You you may have fallen, but I still want to use you. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but it means a lot to some of us. Because we know when we've fallen and we've let the Lord down and we regret the things we've said or done or didn't do, And God used all these people that we're reading about here in Mark 14. God used all these people in a mighty way in the days ahead. Just about two months from right there. What we're reading about, two months later. Peter stands on the day of Pentecost and preaches the gospel with power. And 3,000 souls were saved. God used Peter to write two books of your Bible after this happened. 
God used Matthew, another one of the 11. God used Matthew to give us his gospel narrative, the book of Matthew. God used John, another one, to write the gospel of John, to write the book of Revelation, to give us the epistles. I was reading this morning where in Acts chapter 5, these very same people who were ashamed of Jesus and caved in and fell, these same people were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to to suffer shame for His name. These same people suffered great persecution with grace and boldness. And all of them except for John were martyred, were killed for preaching the gospel. Yeah, they fell, but they didn't stay down. They thought they were better than they really were, but they didn't stay there. Their story wasn't over because they had fallen. I find great hope in that. So as we think about this, let's think about ourselves for a few moments. I think everyone in this room would be aware of this, but just in case you're not, please make a mental note of this. All of us are going to fall in some way, some form, sometime, in some way in our lives. Now this fall, to many of us, honestly, let's just be honest. I mean, we are in church, right? To many of us, we'd say, well, you know, I don't think that's such a big deal to deny the Lord, but that is a big deal. It was a big deal to them, and it should be a big deal to us. I know what it is to let the Lord down. We all, if we'd be honest, we know. Times we should have stood up and we didn't stand up. Times we should have spoke up and we didn't speak up. If you're sitting here thinking that could never happen to me, I would would urge you to realize that Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. None of us are perfect. But we can learn from these who were at least at some point in time offended because of Jesus. And as I said, here's one thing we learn. All of us are going to fail him at some time in our life. By the way, that's not an excuse to make light of our sin. That's not an excuse to say, well, if God knows we're going to mess up, so let's just mess up royally. That's not what God wants us to do. As a matter of fact, Luke describes it to me more precisely, but Mark also talks about it. When Peter realized what he had done, he went out and wept bitterly. He didn't just shed a crocodile tear. He wept bitterly. That he had denied the Lord and that he had ignored the warning. So let's not take the fact that we're all going to fall and say, well, it's not that big a deal. It ought to be a big deal because we don't want to let the Lord down. We don't want to let other people down. It's prideful to think we'd never fall. It's also prideful to think that we're somehow stronger or braver or better than other people are. Peter felt that way. I mean, you can't get anything else out of that text. Peter said, everybody else may fall. I can see everybody else falling, but not me. 
That's pride. You know what? We are what we are by the grace of God. It's a prideful to think that what Jesus says we're capable of is less than accurate. Anything Jesus said is true. And if you or I have this inclination to think, well, I know the Bible says that, but I don't really think it applies to me, we're making the same mistake. I want to tell you today, in our own strength, we're not able. But in our weakness, His strength is made perfect in us. We don't trust ourselves, we trust the Lord. Some men trust in chariots and some in horses, but we believe in the name of the Lord our God. It's God that gives us the strength, not ourselves. I think we as Christians can be guilty of this. Looking at someone who falls, looking at someone who stumbles and say, well, I could never do that. Don't, do, don't say that. Don't even think that because any of, by, by the grace of God, we could all go there. But when we fail, if we fail God, we don't want to. If we fail others, we don't want to. It doesn't mean our race is over. Like Peter, we can repent. We should repent. Be forgiven and be cleansed. God wants to use us to help other people. God didn't want these men to fall. But he knew they would fall. But he didn't say because they fell, there's no place for them to serve. Matter of fact, sometimes when a person falls, they have more compassion on those who are fallen or who have fallen. I was speaking to someone this week about our HOPE program, our addiction recovery program, and I've been leading it for a few weeks. I'm not going to continue to lead it, I don't think, (laughs) but I have been. But you know why one of the things that I find very meaningful in that when I'm there is because I, I know what it is to struggle with things and need God's help to overcome them. Today, I hope you'll Think about this passage. And I hope you'll think about yourself. Don't think about somebody else. Think about yourself. And I want to just give you several things to think about as we end this service. Number one, we ought to acknowledge that God is right. And without Him, I'm capable of miserably failing. And then we ought to think about this. If we're guilty of this, if we have been guilty of this, or if we ever even think in this way, we ought to repent of every thinking that somehow we're stronger than other believers just because of who we are. We're only strong because of Jesus. And this may not apply to anybody in this room. I just thank God for His great mercy and forgiveness in our life. Why would God even let any of us serve Him? If a person ever gets to the place that they think, you know, 
I understand why God would use me. They're in a bad place. <laughs> no offense, but I don't know if I've ever met anyone who God could use because of them. No, God uses us because of Him. But we ought to, every one of us, every last one of us, ought to recognize today that in spite of my weaknesses, God wants to use me. In spite of my past, God can still use me. Isn't that good news? Amen. All of you will be offended. Just a moment, I'm going to pray. So we always do. We'll have a, some music, time to think about the message. And I'll be standing here to receive anybody that wants to come. If you want to come today and say, I, I need to be saved, that'd just be a great day to be saved. Or if you just say, I need somebody to pray with me about something. But I'll tell you what I really want to do. I just want to get in the altar and just thank God for putting up with me and letting me serve him. Amen? God's good. Let's stand together, please, with everyone standing. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I would urge you this morning to dismiss everything else out of your mind, but just think about yourself and your journey and There may be people standing here today thinking, man, I, that's right where I am or right where I've been. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows us. He knows what we're going to do before we do it, and He loves us. And if you're not saved, you ought to come today and let somebody talk to you from the Bible about how you can know Christ personally. Father, as we pray today, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, where would we be without the Bible? Where would we be without your word? It searches us. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, today I just want to thank you for your mercy, and I pray for each of us, your word would encourage us, convict us. Direct us. Oh God, thank you for your goodness. Father heads are bowed.